Welcome to day 145 of Shaped by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. Uh, we find ourselves in the book of 1 Samuel, and this has been a book that has been both disturbing and, and enduring in many ways. We see God's faithfulness to his people in spite of their you know, consistent rejection of him, and, and finally in the end looking to other nations to pattern the life of Israel around the life of other nations when they've been called to be different from every other nation. Not necessarily in the weirdness of their, you know, of their religious practice, but in the the character uh, and the confidence, you know, that they have in, in their in their God. And of course, they've shown everything but that. Mm-hmm. And of course, we see in you know Samuel's, you know, final speech to the people, uh, you know, his warm commitment to continue to teach, continue to challenge, and continue, you know, to pray for them. And, of course, you see God's warm invitation, even though you've you've done this dreadful thing. Mm-hmm. You have rejected me, and you're looking for a worldly leader rather than looking, you know, to me. If you will be true to me, uh, you will experience my faithfulness and, 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 my, and my blessing. And, of course, I've experienced this faithfulness in spite of their unfaithfulness uh, all the way through. So we, we come to a turn in the story, you know, of Saul. So far, things have have gone well. Saul is off to a good start. He's won a great victory. And of course he recognizes the victory has come from the hands of the Lord. But we see him in a slow drift to whether he's looking to himself rather than uh, looking, you know, looking to the Lord. So we see very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, in uh, the kingship of this first king who is, you know, at least a head taller than anyone else and is just as handsome as anyone you can find in the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see we see the darker side uh, begin to emerge as we come to mm-hmm. chapter 13. I'm Paul Kemp here with Cindy Kemp, David Keefe, and Matt Kresge as we uh, continue in shape by the word. Father, thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you have provided us with a written record of your heart, your desire, your commands, your actions among your people, rescuing them reflection that is deeply honest about the unfaithfulness of your people and the challenge uh, that they face as as they follow you. We thank you that we see in it not only a reflection of who we are and our tendency to wander from you, but a reflection of you and your glory and your majesty. Father, today, may you through your spirit do your work in us through your word, calling us to be your people for your glory in the time and place you've planted us. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. First Samuel 13. Saul was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned over Israel 42 years. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan at Gibeah and Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Jonathan attacked the Philistine outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all of Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and they camped at Michmash, east of Beth Avon. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and their army was hard pressed, they hid in caves and in thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. 
And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done, asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time, and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You've done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You've not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has brought, sought a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Then Samuel left Gilgal and went up to Gibeah and Benjamin. And Saul counted the men who were with him. They numbered about 600. Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them were there in Saul and his son Jonathan and the men with them were staying in Gibeah and Benjamin while the Philistines camped at Michmash. Raiding parties went out from the Philistine camp in three detachments. One turned toward Ophrah in the vicinity of Shual, the other toward Beth Horon, and the third toward the borderland overlooking the valley of Zeboim, facing the wilderness. Not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords or spears. So all Israel went down to Philistine to have their power points, mattocks, axes, and sickles sharpened. The price was two-thirds of a shekel for sharpening plow points and mattocks and a third of a shekel for sharpening forks and axes and for the repointing of goods. So in the day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Only Saul and his son Jonathan had them. So we find um, both Saul in a desperate place and Israel in a desperate place. They've gathered a huge army, but by the time we uh, get to the end of the passage, it's whittled down to just a few hundred men. These men are quaking in fear. A lot of them, you know, didn't even go home. They're hiding in thickets and hiding in caves, you know, along the way. Some of them are even abandoning the land of Israel and going into, uh, you know, the land, you know, beyond, you know, beyond the Jordan. Mm-hmm. It's a very desperate situation, and of course, we we can kind of understand. You know, the plight of Saul in this particular situation. I've got this great army. They're, they're dissipating day by day. Where in the world is Samuel? He said he'd be here in seven days. Why in the world did he wait seven days to be here in the first place? At seven days, he's not here. I need to do something. So he took in his own hands, uh, you know, offering the sacrifice, which, you know, he, he had not uh, been anointed to do. You know, there was a separation between priesthood and and uh, you know the kingship in, in in Israel, and he is not honoring, you know that sacred you know that sacred line that you know God has has set up. So he offers a sacrifice, and really the motivation is not so much to seek the favor of the Lord as it is just to to have the appearance, you know, of the Lord's favor, you know, as he's as he's gathering these men. So what are some of the things that stand out? As, as you read this passage, we stand on a desperate yeah. note. We usually do this on Friday. We leave you hanging. I know every every Friday, yeah, at, at this, this point. No, it. I mean, it's bleak. You know, it, even there's the the line we see in uh, I think verse verse five. You know, back going all the way back in the story. You know, God's talking to Abraham, and your descendants will be like the the sand on the seashore. Now it's the Philistine army, and they have troops that are like the sand on the seashore and so just what a kind of crazy turn of events right like it, things have gone so far and and now it's just Saul and a couple hundred men who are, who are hiding and then even more worse just Saul and Jonathan they're only guys that have some weapons and so just a complete you know we see God's desire for his people 
um, back with Abraham and now to see where they're at is uh, is discouraging and bleak, but we do know that God is with them and faithful. You know, a couple of podcasts ago, you mentioned when um, kind of Samuel's hard-pressed or you know, he, he turns to the Lord. When he finds himself in a difficult situation, he turns to the Lord. But when we see the elders of Israel recognize that Samuel's son, sons were wicked men, rather than turning to the Lord, they, they turn to another king. You know, we want a king like every other nation. They've solved the problem. They know what they need. They know what needs to be accomplished. And and here, when in verse 6, it says, When the Israelites saw their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks. You know, and Saul likewise sees the situation. We're talking about sympathizing a little bit here with Saul. And yet, rather than turning to the Lord, it's he turns to himself, I must solve this. And just that I can't help but see that contrast between, you know, Samuel, who we've seen as just this, this faithful man who is a prophet who, you know, has, he points out his integrity. And, and when he's when he desires wisdom, when he finds himself in a, in a circumstance that he's unsure about, he turns to the Lord. And yet here is Saul, here's the Israelites, and it's no no word of turning to the Lord. And you get you know you get the feel of how complete the domination of the Philistines is. Is you know they wouldn't allow them to have a blacksmith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know so that meant that they had local control. Yeah. You know, where they could actually remove from them any of the, the ways to do it. And so in all of Israel, you know, what are, what are these guys fighting with? You know, they're fighting with their farm implements. Mm-hmm. And there's only two swords you know, among them. And, of course, you have this well-arrayed army with the chariots and the foot soldiers. And, of course, they do have the blacksmiths and they do have, you know, they do have the weapons. And, and you're reminded in the earlier covenant. Earlier we, we see Saul, you know, Saul fighting a battle when he's able to gather well over 300,000 men, 330,000 men, you know, go out and fight a battle, and then we come down to the end of this battle. He only has a few responding. They're deeply outnumbered. But when you hear the covenant, the Lord said, if you're faithful to me, that, you know, one of you will pursue a thousand, yeah. and a thousand will flee before him. But if you're not faithful for me, you will be pursued. And, and so you see them being overcome rather than enemies over becoming, over, being overcome with the fear of the Lord. Uh, you see Israel being overcome with the fear of their enemies. Yeah, and probably should add too, you know, to what I was saying. That Let's do that. When when Saul does, you know, offer these fellowship offerings, you know, he he even says because they ask, you know, Samuel asks him, "Why did you do that?" And he says, "Well, I realized I hadn't pursued the favor of the Lord, so I, I needed to do it." Mm-hmm. You know that he did it in ways that that were not in in you know obedience to the Lord and. And just, I, I think even in our own worship, we can mm-hmm. we can begin to formulate ways of like, well, this is how I want to worship. So, like, uh, you know, at least I'm worshiping God, right? And you begin to see, uh, even in this passage, that that yes, God is seeking those who will worship Him, but God also h- has taught us how to worship Him, you know. And and we don't get to just kind of pick and choose however we want no, to worship. And, and not only that, the uh, the act of worship seems to be al- almost. You know, an afterthought. You, yeah, you you kind of hear it. You know, in the urgency, and I had not sought the favor of the Lord, and, and of course, why why had you not sought the favor of the Lord you know, before now, yeah. and in this critical moment, and why had you not sought the favor of the Lord as as you just pointed out, you know, in ways that the Lord has allowed and assigned for you to seek His favor, 
you know, not necessarily in just the offering of you know, the sacrifices. And so this is something that, you know, by the time you get to the prophet Isaiah that you're going to see is a big part of the nation of Israel. It's not that they have quit offering sacrifices, but the sacrifices have become an end of themselves, mm-hmm. and, and their hearts are not in it. And, and you see an early indication of that here. And, and what a turn we've had, you know, from the first time that the Holy Spirit comes on him and he's filled with anger and you know, recognizes you know the Lord has given you know a great you know victory to you know a moment of panic and almost thinking of the Lord as as, as in an afterthought mm-hmm. and and maybe even doing it more you know in a sense of uh, appearances you know rather than in, in sincerity. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting starting in verse thirteen, probably going thirteen fourteen that we're starting to get some kingdom language here and just because of his lack of obedience that the kingdom will not be established um you know Saul's kingdom would not be established over israel for all time and so you know the the failings of a king the failings of this man are just coming to the surface but yet all along god has known this and has a plan and so even though this feels very bleak, God is still in control. No, and, and in every instance, in every place, you know, this is exactly what God is looking for. Uh, you know, He's looking for a man or for a woman after, you know, after His own heart, mm-hmm. and, and that you know, for whatever our call, whether He's you know just called us to some you know, you know mundane domestic chore, or whether He's called us to a great place of leadership. You know what He's really looking for in that instance is someone, mm-hmm. you know, that will hear His word and do everything, you know, in in His way rather than you know rather than their own way. And, and of course, this is going to be a theme you're going to see through the rest of Scripture. You know about the ultimate you know ruler who would be, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a king after God's own heart. It points to an immediate ruler, but it points mm-hmm. beyond that immediate ruler to the ultimate ruler. Who is every everything that you know completely obedient to God in every thought, every word, every deed, in, in, in every moment, and He did that all for us so that His righteousness uh, could be gifted to us as our righteousness mm-hmm. through faith in Him. His His death on the cross could be gifted to us as punishment for our sins, given to us you know, as a gift of faith. His resurrection, a symbol of life, the newness of life we have. Mm-hmm. Him. It has been a fun week uh, going through Samuel, and uh, we remind you we have psalms for you to read, you know, in our reading plan over the weekend just kind of as a change of pace. And, of course, how good it is you know, when we gather as God's people in unity to hear his word, to worship him together, encourage one another. And uh, we hope uh, wherever you are, whatever church family you're part of, uh, that you will uh, gather with God's people and, and not just simply you know come to receive from God but come to encourage and build up the lives of those around you. Yeah. Father, thank you for your goodness and your presence with us. Thank you for your word and the work you do through it. Thank you for the wonderful gift we have. It is beautiful as literature. It's a, stories are absolutely compelling, but it is so much more than that. And it, you are uh, completing the work you began in us and we thank you for that it's in your holy name we pray amen Amen.